especially thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. That's off a, uh, an old hymn. And uh, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. And I hope and pray that is your prayer this morning, that you need the Lord. Uh, we all do. We all need the Lord, and we need Him nowadays more than ever. Uh, of course, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. The series that we've been on for just two weeks, this will be our third one to look at, is on words to live by. Now, this series will probably take us all the way to... Uh, uh, to probably all the way through October, and we'll get ready for this this song and uh, this time of the year anyway. And uh, and I was thinking about also just all the different events we we have coming up, different things happening. Uh, for those who are guests, a neat little uh, tradition observation that we've been doing the past six or seven years is uh, the opening day, opening, excuse me, weekend of deer season. Uh, we have Camo Sunday here at Promised Land. And so I look forward to that. Uh, so everybody who wants to can participate that opening weekend, which is the second Sunday in uh, November. Everybody that wants to wears camo. Matter of fact, some of the uh, moms said, man, Brother Michael, it was so easy getting the kids ready for church this morning because we just told them, Brother Michael said, you got to wear camo. And then they said, can you name some other days where we can just tell our kids what to wear? And I said, no. I said, well, I guess we could have red, white, and blue day and uh, a patriotic Sunday or whatever like that. And we could all wear red, white, and blue. But that it kind of makes it a whole lot easier. So just some neat little Things coming up this time of the year. Another one of my favorite times is our fall festival. That's coming up is on a Wednesday. Uh, if you don't, if you're new here and you haven't got a church calendar, uh, which is uh, something that our ladies uh, lowest circle does, they do a fantastic job. It is a neat way to keep up with what's going on here at Promised Land. One of the other neat things that you know, just a lot of neat things about Promised Land. Listen to me very closely. I love our the things we do. I love our little traditions that uh, are all about lifting Jesus Christ up and Him crucified. I love one of the greatest things, though, is can we have a church? Can we have a tradition of love and forgiveness? Could we have a church where that is one of the common denominators? That is something we're known for, about love and forgiveness. You know, and all the little things we do, and all the things we should do, should be about harmony, fellowship, that our hearts are sold out for Jesus Christ. And my heart belongs to Him. And if that is not seen, if, if, if church is about us, then people have missed it. If church is about uh, uh, you know, about uh, fleshly desires, and we've missed it. 
But there's nothing wrong with, you know, whether it be Edens or this or fellowships or, or traditions, as long as it, it points toward Jesus Christ, it points toward a church that's on fire for Jesus Christ, a church that's sold out for Jesus Christ, a church that's based upon love. I mean, we're going to see it. Every great church is a church that loves the Lord and each other. Amen. Think about it. And when Jesus said, how do you sum up everything in the Bible? You know what Jesus said? Love God with everything you've got and love each other. That's what he said. That's the way he summed it all up. If you want to sum it all up, it's what life is all about. It's what church should be all about. Love and forget. Matter of fact, you cannot have one of these without the other. It is impossible. True forgiveness is impossible without love. And true love is impossible without forgiveness. But either way, you want to say it. And true forgiveness is impossible without love. <clears throat> Hopefully I'll reverse those correctly. Ephesians 4, let's all stand together for the reading of God's holy word. Just one simple verse to sum it all up. Whether you're looking in your Bible or on the screen, either one, what does this say? Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Father, I thank you so much for your love and your forgiveness. May we be able to share this with everyone that we encounter. May it be the foundation of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In your bulletin, in the introductory remarks, or just uh, right off the bat, let me say this, and this is not original with me. Uh, I read it or heard it. I said, wow, that's powerful. You are never more like Christ than when you forgive. You're never more like Christ than when you forgive. You can say that you're saved till you're blue in the face, but to forgive. Forgiveness only works if you give it away. <laughs> Hence the meaning of the etymology or the background of the word. Forgiveness has to be given or else it's, it doesn't exist. Forgiveness has to be given or it does not work. Someone said this, you can be in a room full of people and be lonely. Did you know that? There's probably someone here today, this morning, and you feel lonely because you're not plugged in or maybe you're, you've isolated yourself. You've stopped communicating with whether it be friends or family members. You can easily, matter of fact, you can be in a large family and you can cut yourself off. You can just stop communicating. There's all sorts of ways that you can be in a crowd and be lonely. Some of the loneliest people are in the most crowded towns and crowded places. 
But loneliness is a common denominator of someone that has retracted or built up walls. Either way, you can have barriers in your life. And some of those barriers that create that atmosphere in a person's life, that bitterness and that loneliness is unforgiving spirit. When I choose to stop loving people and I choose to stop forgiving people, what you're doing is you're, you might as well just take you some brick and use some mortar and start building some walls around your life. And pretty soon you'll start cutting all the angles off and you'll isolate yourself when you choose to stop loving people. You say, well, I love this one, but I don't love that one. You just started. You there, boom, wall went up. Mortar, brick, it went up. I, I choose to forgive, but I won't forgive this one. Boom, a wall went up, and and pretty soon you've you've narrowed it down. Well, it's I got my wife, and that's the only one left. Maybe I sure hope the Lord still loves me and forgives me, but we're going to find out that that's not the case about the Lord, because the Bible says. Matter of fact, Jesus wanted to kind of do this the very first point is the foundation love and forgiveness is the foundation for a saved person's life when you start throwing up those barriers those uh bricks those walls what happens is is the lord says uh-uh you're saved like very first thing he says you belong to me no 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 a child of mine doesn't isn't supposed to act that way the very, one of the common denominators of the foundation of your life is found in Matthew 5.43. It says this, You've heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. So in other words, you, verse 43, be like everybody else. You want to be like everybody at work? Everybody at school? Just do verse 43. Verse 43 is like everybody else. That's what everybody does. Anybody I don't get along with, I don't like, just don't have anything to do with, I just don't want anything to do, just, just do, I want to do unto others before you do unto them, or before they do unto you, or ever how you want to say it. But he says, verse 44, but I say unto you, love, let's just put some country boy flair on this, love people you don't like. That's what it's saying. Love people you don't like. Well, that's about, you know, I've heard people say this before. That's about stupid. Yeah. That's what people say about stuff they disagree with. And people ain't always, did. have people always agreed with Jesus? (laughs) Well, I, I can laugh at that one. They didn't then, they don't now. You know, and so he's saying love people you don't like. That's what he says right there. Bless them that curse you. Somebody calls you a name. I'm praying for them tonight that God would get them. No, you know, that's what, that's what, you know, that's the, that's the mentality in it. I'll pray for you. I'll pray a tree falls on your house, your car, you know, I'm praying for you. You know, you can say that if you want, but that's not what he's talking about, is it? No, you're praying that God will bless them. Matter of fact, that's one of the most difficult prayers you could ever pray in your life is to pray for somebody you don't care for and praying for their success, praying that God would bless them and pray that God would give them a chance to be saved. Do good to them that hate you. 
Pray for them which despitefully use you. And per- Boy, he just, Jesus is not leaving us any wiggle room there, is He? He's just not leaving us no wiggle room. He's asking the impossible. How dare He ask us to do this? But He doesn't quit. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? In this, this sermon, which is, His sermon's going to be shorter than mine. I'm going to be through and I'll get you out before lunch. Y'all do great. Y'all do fine. But going to the next part, forgiveness, in Matthew 6, right after He teaches you the model prayer, what does He say there? In our verse, verse 14, so you pray and man, you pray till the cows come home. You pray till the, you praying and you praying strong and you calling the Lord Father of all things to call God. He says, Jesus says, call him Dad. Call him Father. Matter of fact, Paul said it over in Romans. He said, Abba Father, which is saying like Papa, Papa, Daddy, Daddy, an intimate term. And he says all this, so you're praying. you got a prayer life, man. My, I've got a prayer life. Isn't it great? Wouldn't it be great if everybody in this room says, my, my prayer life's strong, preacher. My prayer life's strong, preacher. I've got a strong prayer life. It's a powerful prayer life. I've got a prayer life that just, just I mean, when, when I pray, God sits up on the edge of His seat. And then he says, well, if you pray... You better have a forgiving heart. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15 says, but if you forgive not men, trespasses means this. If you have a King James Bible, whether you have a different version of the Bible, it'll say a different word. The things that they do against you, the things you don't like, the things you don't agree with, the things that upset you, the things that offend you, trespasses, that's all it means to go against. That's all it means is to go against. Uh, and what, is the, what are these two verses saying? Have a forgiving spirit. That's, that's it. Have a forgiving spirit. And you must give it. You say, well, I've... I forgive them, but if you've never given that forgiveness to them, what good is it? All of this boils down to this love and forgiveness stuff. Let's head back to Ephesians 4. And all of this happened the day you got saved. The day you got saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, right now you should be able to remember when you asked Jesus Christ to save you. And when He did, He started changing your life. In Ephesians 4, verse 22, that you put off concerning, or King James Bible says, the former conversation, the way you used to live. That's what that means. Which is corrupt according to Deceitful lust, which just means this. It uh, means the way your flesh wants to behave. And we're just going to go through this real quick. All right? We, we got a, a long way to go and a short time to get there, according to that 1970 song. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on, here it is, the new man, which is created excuse me, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, now this, now think about this as Paul was writing this. Uh, 
He's writing this to people who just got saved. They're a member of a church. They're trying to do right. Okay, now, now that I'm saved, what do I do next? A lot of times when people come to Promised Land, we're definitely not a perfect church. But if you want to be a part of an imperfect church that loves people and loves Jesus, come be a part of us. We are imperfect. We will drop the ball. Trey and I will make mistakes. And other in the leadership area will make mistakes. We may forget your name. We may forget a date. We may, we're going to make mistakes. But that's where love and forgiveness comes in. And that's what he's saying here. If you want to plug in, here's what you got to do. If you want to be a part of our church, the church at Ephesus, this is what you got to do. Now, some of you just got saved. You used to live this way. And that you put on the new man, verse 25, put away lying. Oh, I've met people before who said they didn't never ever said a lie. I've had people tell me that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I want, I did this and I said, uh, and what else have you not done? <laughs> and, uh, you've heard the famous lightning bolt, but it never came. And uh, God just, I, they knew. Everybody said a lie. I've said a lie. Everybody said a lie. And then it says, speak the truth, everybody. Verse 26, be ye angry and sin not. Work out things. Neither give place to the devil. You know, if you're saved, you know the Lord works on your heart. Move, uh, verse 28, let him that stole still no more. Rather, let him labor. There's a lot of people that want to live life thinking that I've got to take instead of give. Moving on. Working with his hands. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Well, we could just preach on that till, till 12, couldn't we? I mean, lying, cussing, gossiping. Listen to me very closely. Everybody in this room says stuff they shouldn't say. And we say lies, we stretch the truth, we do this, we've gossiped, I shouldn't have said that. We've said things negatively about other people, but we've got to, if we can, God's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to watch, just be careful. Know that we have to represent Him. That's it. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to try to live for Him. Moving on. But use good things, verse 29, the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Do you have anything good to say about anybody? Say that. Okay, verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, because if you're saved, He's working on your heart. If you're saved, He should be tearing you up. And if you can talk like anything and say about anybody and do whatever and gossip and you don't have any conviction about it, then you're not saved. You're not, I'm just, I'm not even beating around the bush on that one. (laughs) You're not, you're lost. You're headed to hell. You need Jesus as your Savior. Okay? I don't know how much more plain I can get. You know, if you can just 
do, people say, oh, you Baptists believe in once saved, always saved. Do anything you want and still be saved. We don't, if you're saved, you don't want to do anything you want. You want to live, you want to live for Him. And when you mess up, God, Holy Spirit tears you up. Okay? And then verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, all this are, is he talking about church members? Did y'all know church members have this in it? Yes, every church member in this room has this in them because you still live in this. This. This flesh. We're all sinners. Verse 32 is where our text is, isn't it? That's where, that's where the, the cow eats the cabbage. That's where it all comes down. That's where the rubber meets the road. Okay? <clears throat> uh, all those sayings just went over robbing his head. Okay? And uh, he's, you have to just say things plainly for him. All right. But he's getting it. He's doing great. He's doing great. All right. Now the next one. Love is the ultimate indicator of a person's heart. All the way over here to First John. We're going to camp out here for the next six or seven minutes. You're doing awesome. All right. First John 3. This is the message. Boy, how many, how can you uh, say it any plainer than this right here? First John and chapter three and verse 11. This is the message. What? That you should love one another. That's where, that's a, that's the message of promised land is that God, you know, in the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And he loved us first. And so this is what it's all about. This whole church, if we're going to this ultimate indicator of what's inside your heart, I cannot read your mind. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, but God can. But you know what? The Bible does say I can be a fruit inspector. It doesn't take long to see how somebody's geared how somebody's wired, how somebody, what somebody's heart is, because whatever's in the heart comes out, usually through this. The Bible says that. Out of the mouth proceeds the things that are in the heart. Uh, back down to First John. This again, I call it the hate, death, and lost. Hate, death, and lost is First John 3, 14, and 15. Verse 14 says this, <clears throat> we know that we've passed, you've been saved, passed from death into life because we love other people. That's what it, brethren just means, other people. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Verse 15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life. So he... John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that strong hatred towards somebody is an indicator of no life inside of your heart. Which is scary. Verse 16. So that's the, the hate, death, lost. I'm lost if I don't have life inside, love inside of me. God's love. And then it says in verse 16. Still in 1 John 3.16, Hereby perceive we the love of God. In other words, how do you know? How do you know God loves you? 
because He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, which tells me this. You can see if somebody somebody says, uh, I've heard this on a proof of us. Do you believe in God? You can't prove it. And then you can ask them, uh, well, do you love your wife or your son or your mom or your dad? Well, yeah, prove it. You know how you prove it? Your actions. That's how you prove it. How you live your life, how you conduct your life, your love is shown. You cannot pull your love out of yourself and say, here's my love, look at it. See my love for you? You can't do it. For your wife, you just wish, guys, you wish you could do that. You know, have a love meter that went up and down and, you know, probably there'd be some times in, you don't love me right now, do you? You can be unhappy with somebody and still love them. Okay, you can be frustrated with somebody and still love them. But there's no love meter. There's no love indicator. But love can be shown by the way you treat each other. The way you act toward one another. Love that is not given is not real. Look at verse 17. But whoso hateth this hath this world's good... And seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. This is kind of like that uh, in James it says, faith without works is dead. Which means this. You say, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith in the Lord, I have faith in a lot of things. But if you never act on it, if you never use it, It's kind of like saying, I love you, but you never show it. So he says, he says, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, says that if you don't show your love, if it never comes out, there's no love there, really. Hereby we perceive God's love because he demonstrated it by giving his son. We ought to demonstrate our love. Show it. Let it out. Have it, let it have actions. Actually care for other people. But you say, I care for people that are begging out there on the streets. But if you never help any of them, you don't. Okay? And then, so love can be proven. And then God, I call it God's Word, calls you out. Now this is really getting serious. God's Word calls you out. First John 4. And... uh just, just moving on quickly. First John 4 and verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he's never seen? Verse 21. This is commandment that we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Well, then finally, and... uh And let me tie this in real quick to that first John four, twenty and twenty one. Because I'm gonna base this on God's holy word. God would you agree with this statement? Just nod your head, whatever. God loves you. God, would you agree with this statement? God has forgiven you. Agree with that? 
You can you nod your head or say amen. Some of several up here saying amen. All right? If that's the pattern for God, and we're supposed to follow His pattern, are we supposed to love each other? And according to this pattern, God doesn't love us if He doesn't forgive us. So we don't really love each other if we don't forgive one another. Would you agree with that? Let me say that again in case you weren't listening. Somebody says, I, I love people. I love you. I don't really love you if I will not forgive you. That's the pattern. That's what we've seen. And if you want promised land to be a great church, John 13 says this, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. How? If you have love one to another. Now let's head to Revelation, because I've got to hurry. Y'all are doing great, but listen. We're about to have the invitation. And you know what that is? And I don't care if we got 250 here this morning. It doesn't matter. You want to come up here and do business with the Lord? You've got a burden on your heart? Have you got unforgiveness? You can come up here and kneel at the altar or sit on the steps or sit on the pew and pray. You say, why should I can't pray at the, in my pew? Well, there's just something about it. Saying, I don't care what people think, and I want our church to be known as a great church. Not because it's your church. Because you have the opportunity to serve the Lord here. And if it's going to be a great church, this will never be a great church. If we do not have love one to another. And if we don't show love to Ashley County. If we don't show this will, this church will dry up and die. And I know it's a far stretch from doing that. And thank the Lord. And thank the Lord for our life. Thank the Lord for our actions. Thank the Lord for our greatness. Our greatness is because of what He's done. We're just servants along the journey. Just going along with him. But in Revelation chapter 2, we've got this story. And I'm going to say this. There's a lot of churches in the Bible that had a lot of problems. And God, but there's only one church that God ever shows here that he's going to take away the candlestick, which means I'm not even going to recognize you as a church anymore. And they had right doctrine, which means this. God would rather have you totally in love with Him. And doctrine's second. Doctrine's important. But He says here, because you left your first love, I'll remove the candlestick unless you repent. In Revelation chapter 2, and verse 1, the Word of God says this, Unto the angel, that means the pastor, the preacher, the church at Ephesus, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars, that's Jesus, Verse 2, I know your works and your labor and your patience, and you cannot bear them which are evil. In other words, you stand up for right and wrong. And you've tried them that say they're apostles. In other words, you somebody's not teaching correctly, and you, you say, hey, that's not right. 
You found them liars. You stood up for the truth. Man, that's great. You're standing up for the truth. And you have has borne, verse 3, and has patience for my name's sake. You've labored and you've not given up. It means you're determined. Nevertheless, I am somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. I'll come unto you and remove the candlestick. We've got to have love and forgiveness. That's words to live by. I guarantee you. As we prepare for a hymn invitation, Father, as we bow our heads, and we desperately need you. We need love and forgiveness. Help us to show it. Help us to express it. Help us not to build walls. But dear Lord, with your help, help us to remove walls. Help us to tear them down. Matter of fact, your Holy Spirit has this power to break down those walls. Those walls of loneliness. Those walls of unforgiveness. Those walls of bitterness, unconfessed sin, whatever that wall is, dear Lord. Let love be the common denominator, the, the, the main ingredient, the foundation of our life and our church. The church belongs to you anyway. It all belongs to you. Mainly, help us to fall head over heels in love with you, and everything else will take care of itself. In Jesus' name, amen.